This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi again. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. Today is April 30th, 2019. The day was April 30th, 1963. The Bristol Omnibus Company, based in Bristol, England, had been denying Black and Asian people jobs as bus crew. So on this day, West Indians in the city began boycotting the company and refusing to ride buses. After the British Nationality Act was passed in 1948, the number of people who immigrated from the Caribbean to the UK increased significantly. Some of those people had served in the British military during World War II, and some helped with post-war rebuilding efforts. By 1960, there were around 3,000 West Indian people in Bristol, a small percentage of the city's population. But unemployment rates were high within the West Indian community. People who immigrated from the West Indies and from Asia faced housing and employment discrimination. Gangs of white men known as Teddy Boys physically attacked people of color. Some boarding houses posted signs that read, No Irish, no Blacks, no Dogs. By 1963, there were around 7,000 West Indian people in Bristol. Increasing along with the West Indian population was racial tension. But at this point, there were no laws protecting people from racial discrimination in the workplace. In other English cities like London and Manchester, Black people worked on buses as drivers and conductors. But in Bristol, the British government-owned Bristol Omnibus Company only hired Black folks as maintenance workers. Even though there was a shortage of drivers, Black people were turned away when they sought jobs as bus crew. The passenger group of the Transport and General Workers Union had even passed a resolution in 1955 that said Black workers should not be employed on the buses as drivers or conductors. Asian and Black people were applying for bus crew jobs, but they were never getting the jobs. So the Bristol Evening Post and the Western Daily Press ran stories on the discrimination saying that the Bristol Omnibus Company was purposefully refusing to give non-white workers driving and conducting jobs. Wages were low and hours were long in bus crew positions, and the people who did work them relied on overtime to make up for their poor pay. But there was still a lot of turnover for bus crew. The company's general manager, Ian Patey, said that the color bar was only in place for economic reasons, and the union said that it was the company's decision as to whether it wanted to enforce the color bar. By the late 1950s, the West Indian Association was already looking into the issue of workplace race discrimination. In 1962, Jamaicans Henry Owens, Roy Hackett, Audley Evans, and Prince Brown split from the association and formed the West Indian Development Council. Paul Stevenson became the council's spokesperson. Stevenson was a university-educated Royal Air Force veteran who moved to Bristol in 1962 and was the city's first Black social worker. As a test case, Stevenson arranged a bus company interview for warehouseman and Boys Brigade officer Guy Bailey, who was Black. When the company found out he was Black, Bailey's interview was canceled. Drawing inspiration from the American Civil Rights Movement, the council decided to stage a bus boycott. 
They announced the boycott at a press conference on April 29, 1963. The next day, many West Indians in Bristol refused to ride buses. The protests were nonviolent. Protesters began picketing bus depots and places along bus routes, and they set up blockades that kept buses from going into the city center. Many West Indians in Bristol supported the boycott, but did not participate because they feared losing their jobs or being attacked, or because they needed to use public transportation. Patey, responding to the boycott, claimed that if more people of color worked as bus crew, fewer white people would be employed in those positions. He said that in London, where people of color are employed, white men would not want to work under a foreman of color. And quote, colored men have become arrogant and rude after they have been employed for some months. The protests garnered support from the press, students at Bristol University, and many notable people, including Bristol Southeast Member of Parliament Tony Benn, Labor Opposition Leader Harry Wilson, local Labor Party Alderman Henry Hennessy, as well as former cricketer and High Commissioner for Trinidad and Tobago, Leary Constantine. The local branch of the Transport and General Workers Union refused to meet with the delegation from the West Indian Development Council, leading to weeks of back and forth between boycott supporters and opposers. On May 6th, Stevenson organized a march to St. Mary Redcliffe Church, but the demonstration did not attract a lot of people. And over the next several months, the Transport Holding Company, which was Omnibus's parent company, held negotiations with the union. Finally, on August 27th, a meeting of 500 bus workers decided to end the color bar. Four months after the boycott began, on August 28th, Patey said, there will now be complete integration without regard to race, color, or creed. The only criterion will be the person's suitability for the job. In mid-September, Rockbeer Singh, an Indian-born Sikh, became the first non-white bus conductor employed in Bristol. Two Jamaican and two Pakistani men were employed as bus crew soon after that. In 1965 and 1968, Parliament passed the Race Relations Acts, which made racial discrimination in public places, housing, and employment illegal. Some people believe that the Bristol bus boycott influenced the acts. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And here's another note. Anti-immigrant sentiments were popular in the 1960s in the UK. And if you want to hear a little bit more about that and the Nationality Act, you can listen to our April 20th episode on conservative MP Enoch Powell's 1968 Rivers of Blood speech. If you're so inclined, you can follow us at TDIHC Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.